Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Well, welcome back to the Bowling Point. Uh, I'm hanging out here with Greg Hemmings and uh, another uh, another wonderful guest. I can't wait to introduce you to this guest. But Greg, before we start, um, I th- you know what? Of, of all my friends and all the people I hang out with, I think of um, and I, and you know I love music, but you love music and you mm-hmm. have a band and you're always talking about your experiences with music and and um, and it's a big part of your life. Totally. It's, been, it's like, like this business, Hemming's House Pictures, we're a film company, but we started as a film company specifically for rock and roll. Like we, we filmed music festivals all over North America for years, thousands of live concerts and uh, mu- music's where it was at, man. Until I realized that uh, music doesn't pay very much and you couldn't really build a business. <laughs> but man, did it ever feel good. <laughs> well, okay. So, and you, and you know, and I've learned a lot about music from you and you've given me, you know, very, you know, like along the way, you've hard time about not, you know, being really as, as up to date on, you know, the members of the Grateful Dead beyond Jerry Garcia and, and, and understanding, you know, certain albums and all this kind of stuff. But I have a great appreciation for music, not, not to the extent of you. And through you, I've learned a lot. So when I met our next guest, who's going to, we're going to get him to introduce himself. And he started telling me about this thing called the awesome music music project. Um, uh, I just thought, man, we got to have him on our podcast. He's got this brilliant story. He's got great energy. Uh, Of course, Terry, we're talking with Terry Stewart, who's with us. Hi, Terry. And uh, he's waving and say, and so, so Terry, we we have um, generally kind of a rule of thumb where we get the guests introduce themselves primarily because we just will totally screw it up otherwise. So we would prefer if you introduced yourself and then we're going to have this awesome conversation about an awesome project. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for inviting me onto the boiling point. And I think you guys do a wonderful job of bringing good leadership topics to Canada's best, best leaders. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm, I, I have two personas, really. One persona is I'm a senior partner at Deloitte. My day job for the last 10 years has been chief innovation officer, helping drive innovation inside our organization and inside uh, our clients. Uh, my newest job that I just started, I've transitioned out of the chief innovation officer. I'm now the chief digital officer for our uh, federal government account. So trying to trying to shake up the federal government uh, in my spare time. So that's, that's Terry, the Deloitte, the Deloitte guy. Um, for this discussion, really, the, the, the persona and, and the thing that's really so fo- focused for me is uh, I am co-founder of the Awesome Music Project, which is a charitable foundation in Canada focused on bringing the healing to mental health across our country. Fantastic. Okay. I, I, I need to hear more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was interesting how it came up because um, somehow I, we, I brought up the, we were actually talking with your Deloitte persona and then you, you started talking about this and we talked about the podcast a little bit and you asked me a question about 
I was mentioning Chris Hadfield being on this podcast and how it was a little stressful for us because it's early days are for me. And we were like, Jesus, is he even going to show up? And it was really, it was a really, it was awesome to have it on. And he's obviously for people that don't know him, I can't imagine who doesn't, but he's an astronaut and, and, uh, and he's, he's connected to this project. And then, and you started telling me this story about this project and, and in a very personal way. And I was, I'm wondering, like, and I, I know this would really, um, resonate with you, Greg, because uh, it has to do with being a father as well, as I recall the story, Terry. Maybe, uh, how did this all come about? Wouldn't you mind sharing that with us? Sure. Um, I really got kind of focused on mental health. Like, we all kind of know about mental health and we know people who go through anxiety and depression, but I had a wake up call about 10 years ago when some really good friends of mine, their son Jack, died of suicide, and he was 21. He was at Queens University doing super well. They'd just been on a ski trip with them. And they're like, oh, my goodness. We thought our son was super happy, doing well. And suddenly he took his own life. And so that was a wake-up call for me because I hadn't actually been exposed directly like that to issues around mental health, suicide, et cetera. Um, so they did a wonderful job, Jack and uh, Jack Windler and, and uh, sorry, Eric Windler, Jack's dad and Sandra Hannington. They created the Jack Project, which is a wonderful uh, project to bring students uh, from high schools and universities to become mental health advocates. Then it started to get closer. About eight years after that, mm -hmm. I went through my own anxiety and depression and went to the doctor and was having trouble focusing and making decisions and was freaking out about things that I shouldn't have been. And uh, I ended up getting prescribed antidepressants. So I had my own journey. And then after that, um, the third trifecta, and this was the one that really launched uh, the Awesome Music Project, was someone very close to me. In fact, my daughter had, uh, had some challenges with anxiety and depression and had gotten all the way to writing a suicide note. She worked for the firm and had uh, done some amazing things over the summer while she was at university. And somewhere in working papers, there was a buried note that was a handwritten suicide note that she'd written. And, and that was really the, the final wake-up call for me. And, and she's doing super well. She's doing great. She just finished her degree in psychology at Waterloo. So it's a good, it's a good news story on that, on that front. But it was a wake-up call for me that why is it that really the only sort of protocol that we have for dealing with anxiety, depression, PTSD, et cetera, is either prescription, et cetera, or sign you up for a therapist. Like those are the only two protocols really that we prescribe. And I looked at my daughter, I looked at myself, I looked at my friends and said, I have always leaned on the healing power of music, whether it was playing music. I'm a, you know, I'm not really a musician, but I played a little bit of piano. I'm, I'm now taking back up the saxophone. I did clarinet in high school, but my daughter played piano in public school. And then she played saxophone in two bands in high school. She performed in musical theater at the Lower East Side, Lower Ossington East Side Theater in Toronto. And we remortgaged our house to go see the original cast of Hamilton in New York. So music <laughs> was super, super important for her. And yet when she went to her doctor and said, I'm kind of anxious, I'm kind of depressed, I'm not sleeping very well. The answer was, oh, here you go. Here's a prescription. Yeah. So as I dug into that, the question was, why is it that we don't recognize in a systemic way the healing power of music? And the answer to that, I'll fast forward you through my year of research. But the answer to that was we don't have the clinical evidence and proof. We have lots of research that was been done, but we don't have the protocol based clinical evidence. And that's when Rob Carley and I launched 
this initiative to go and raise money and awareness to fund the research. And we're working with CAMH to fund research at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in uh, Toronto. And we did it though, in a little bit of a fun way, because that's kind of a serious topic. Okay, you got to do clinical research and all that stuff. We said, well, and remember, this was sort of 2016, 2017. And we said, well, how do we have some fun to do this? So we said, well, let's, let's create a kind of a fun book. So we created this little book called The Awesome Music Project Canada, Songs of Hope and Happiness. Oh, nice. And it, it, has, it has 111 stories in it by guys like Chris Hadfield, right? And each of the stories are like one or two pages. So this is a story, um, you know, the best drug in the world by somebody you might know called Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> and so... So the book has 111 of those stories in it. And there, some of them are famous people like Chris or Sarah or Alan Doyle or Amanda Lang, et cetera. Alan's out in your part of the world, but we've tried to cover all of it. Um, but it's also got people you've never heard of that just have phenomenal stories about the healing power of music. And it's not all about anxiety and depression. It's about how did music help me? How did it give me hope and inspiration? We also sprinkled a little bit of science in. So after every, we've got four chapters in the book. After every chapter, there's one page, maybe two pages on neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And what does music, why does my, when I listen to, um, you know, the Black Eyed Peas, why do my toes start tapping? Why do my toes start tapping? So we've got the neuroscience of what it's starting to do. Bestseller, by the way, a great great Christmas gift at $35. Um, and so um, you can buy it on Amazon, but it's a bestseller in the music appreciation category. And all of the proceeds from the book beyond the printing of the cost go to the research that we're going to do at CAMH. Oh man, this is awesome. I love it. And as you're speaking about the toe tapping, uh, it reminds me of, um, I, I never knew there was a word for this until listening to it on CBC about a year ago, but the the con the the effect of, of the frisson effect, uh, F R I S S O N, um, which is that fe that weird amazing feeling of shivers you get when there's a, sp a specific build in a cigarra song or or there's there's some some way the music is cigarra. Uh, uh, You're going to the back tracks. I like it. Cigarace yeah. So awesome. it's, it's um it's a uh, <laughs> See, I knew I had I knew I had to introduce you to. Like I just knew it just right off the bat. Dave, you'll understand this. When you hear a song that gives you a shiver, there is a word for that. And it's it's studied and it's um I I haven't studied it myself too deeply, except I experience it all the time. And I wonder, Terry, if this is part of what you've been exploring, because there are there is a physiological response oh, yeah. as well as a as an emotional response so and and those work hand in hand because if you get that it's, it's almost like getting a buzz right if you get a little buzz from something um a whole bunch of neurological uh, pathways that are that are firing and the, the, it's so it's, yeah so what we're what we're trying to do with our research is actually prove <laughs> that music actually changes your brain chemistry got it so, and so what we're doing with CAMH, I'll, I'll give the layman's, because I'm, I'm a chemical engineer, but I'm really a layman in this discussion, um, a layman's description, but basically take a cohort of people with depression, have them ingest a neurotracer, because CAMH has 50% of the patents worldwide on neurotracers, have it go into your brain attached to a protein called MAO-B that's associated with anxiety and depression. So we'll measure and baseline, you put you into a PET imaging machine, say how much MAO-B do you have? 
and then do one month, two months, three months of clinical protocol-based music therapy with no antidepressants, no other interventions, and then rinse, repeat, and see what we do. So, um, so we're going to hopefully prove that what we know uh, intuitively and qualitatively that music makes us feel better, we're going to hopefully prove that we can actually change the brain chemistry through music therapy. Mm. Wow. That's, that's a that's a pretty good layman. I, I would say that's a, an advanced layman explanation. <laughs> just 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 so you know, Terry, speaking to the real layman here. And also, you know, even when you describe you're not a musician. Like, no, no, I am not a musician. You you <laughs> <laughs> you are a musician. Well, no. And Rob Carley is a professional saxophone player who's played with Toronto Symphony, Bare Naked Ladies, Chris Hadfield and others and writes all the music and produces all the music for Murdoch Mysteries that you guys may be familiar with and a bunch and Winona and a bunch of other shows. So Rob is a musician. So he's the guy, he's the guy in our partnership that actually drives the real music part. I'm just the crazy innovator guy. And and that's what you do at Deloitte too, which is, which is super cool. Now um, it's interesting too. My, my wife uh, is a physician and she works uh, a lot in uh, end of life care and it's really cool for her to actually to be able to prescribe music therapy. So in her world, this is something she uses. Um, now really? in her world, it doesn't necessarily need to have all of the, the scientific backing. It, it, it can be placebo based. It can be anecdotal based, but it works. So like, yes, of course, let's bring in music therapists for this, for this patient. And, um, but wouldn't it be amazing to actually have the, the trials of the clinical data to just to absolutely say, yes, this is actually a requirement uh, as, as, as one of the many options to, uh, to help patients uh, that are going through this. And if you want to geek out on it for a second, next time when, when we can actually get on planes again and do some traveling, uh, come, come to Ontario. I know, I know you're leaving God's country, but come to Ontario <laughs> and go to Hamilton to McMaster university and they have a place called the Live Lab. And the Live Lab is amazing. So it's a 106-person concert hall that has uh, 80 different speakers. So you can configure it to sound like Red Rocks or Massey Hall or Madison Square right. Garden, right? And it was a donation between the Department of Psychology, Department of Music, and Department of Computing. So what they do at the Live Lab is they study music's impact on the brain using EEG. So they'll take the performers on the stage and put EEGs on them. So electroencephalograms measuring their brain waves. So are they in alpha, theta, gamma, kappa, or delta brain waves? And they can also measure using EEG the brain waves of the participants or the audience members. Mm. So imagine like we could then prove like, you know how much better you feel listening to the same you know, pick your thing, Foo Fighters, listening to the Foo Fighters album at home versus going to the concert and seeing Dave Grohl rip it up, right? You feel better in the crowd, Mm -hmm. hard to do right now, but in the crowd. So we know intuitively we feel better. What they're going to be able to do is prove that different parts of your brain light up when you're listening to music. And even more interesting, more parts of your brain light up when you're performing music than any other activity humans participate other arts, music lights up more parts of our brain, especially when we play it. Mm, so, cool. yeah. so they're going to go prove Laurel trainer and the crew. there are going to go prove that. And we're going to, 
we're going to be working with them to help fund that. But it's super cool. Um, you know, it's interesting, Terry. It's a, you know, as a as a music nerd that I am, um, when I hear, let, let's say I, I put a, a song on. Let's I'm just go back to the Grateful Dead reference as we always do on the bowling point. Let's say Ripple comes. Uh, I, I put Ripple on on my iPhone, and maybe it just randomly comes up. And I'm in my car. I'm like, oh, I love that song. I sing along. It's great. But if I heard that same song on CBC or on, on the radio where many, many other people are hearing it, I get a totally different physiological response. I get so excited to know that I am uh, participating and listening to this song with others at the same time. And I don't know if this is- even when it's even when it's recorded and delivered through the radio and you are by yourself. Oh, 100%. And it could be the exact yeah, cool. song that I could listen cool. to on my iPhone and not have that excitement. But the community aspect, I don't know if you guys have studied that at all, but uh, what a neat thing, too, to realize that you could be part of something. That's why at a live concert, you're, you're, everybody's sharing a very similar experience, and that just continues to heighten the, uh, the positive impact in a way. And uh, I've never heard anybody talk about that phenomena, about hearing a song that you may hear a million times uh, in, a, in a year on your own playlist, but then when you hear it on a radio live where other people are listening to it, has, has that ever come across your research at all? I haven't seen that, um, but that would be the kind of thing that Laurel and her team could could look at because they can look at everything. We're, we're talking to them about doing some research on live concerts, like in-person concerts versus uh, Zoom concerts versus just listening to it at home. And you've added another another use case, which is the you're listening to a recorded version, but you're with a, a group that are synchronously listening to that. And so is there something on quantum mechanics that's going on there yeah and just one, one last thing to tie the bow on this one um trey anastasio from fish has been doing this amazing series at the beacon theater in new york every single day uh it's i think today tonight's gonna be the last one uh he's releasing a new song that they just they filmed and recorded just a few weeks ago multi-cam you know and it's trey and a band they're all separate of course of course about the full full horn section no audience but because there's a massive community of people that are watching this at the same time it's all archived on youtube you can watch it for free but when it drops it feels live and it's not it's pre-recorded so there's something there too that that uh yeah yeah so, that would be fun uh, we could riff on that one separately but by the way guys i have to take you backdrop uh for your your go-to band like you have grateful dead is amazing like who can't like the grateful dead but you know it's 2020 and it's the 50th anniversary of the wait for mm, the band. band yes and if you got like the band is a canadian band four yes. of the five guys are canadian all Grateful Dead references. And the good thing is the Grateful Dead and the band are, are in, intimately connected anyhow. So uh, the last waltz will be, <laughs> will be the reference point moving forward, Dave. Dave picks on me about my lack of hockey knowledge. And uh, it's, it's, it's this fun little thing that we have, hockey and music. But we both, I love hockey. He loves music. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I was, I've been as listening along here, I've been thinking, um, and it's, it's awesome that you'll be able to kind of you know, an outcome will be clinically proving the impact music has, but in a, in a weird way, like, and I, and I think there's some, I, there's a ton of value in that. What I find interesting is that like, for me, I don't think I need, that won't make it any different for me. I know the therapeutic effect it has on me. 
right? And there's and and I'm I'm more curious. Part of what I'm curious about, is I was so last night I turned on a playlist um, through Spotify or whatever, however that works, and I was I'm just like in the zone, loving it. My wife is not there at all with the same the same. We're listening to the same the same music, and I'm just like, how can you not, you know, really enjoy the killers? Coldplay, you know, like I've got, you know, like I'm just like, cause it, cause it makes, gives me that feeling, you know what I mean? And, and I'm shocked that she doesn't feel the same way, you know? And then I, she puts her, her list on. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't working for me at all. Like, but just how, how subjective it is maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when I started into this and if you, if you get the book, like at the front page in the intro, Rob basically trash talks me for like a page and a half as Terry came to me with this crazy idea that we could create the ultimate playlist of happy songs, right? And he's like, dude, there's no such thing as an ultimate playlist because everybody's subjectivity is different. So, so there is something there. By the way, we're working with a cool company called The Lucid Project uh, out of Toronto, Ryerson-based tech company. And they've got an app called Vibe, V-I-B-E. And basically Vibe runs AI on the actual songs and then you train the AI on, okay, am I trying to chill out? Am I trying to meditate and do breathing? Am I trying to energize and I'm going to go for a run? Am I trying to sleep or am I trying to focus, right? And do some heads down work. And they've got music that's curated for those, but then you customize it for what you want. So there, I think we're at early days on this, but we are starting to figure out that both the tonality, like the melody of the songs have different effects and there are minor keys versus major keys, et cetera. And then obviously also, you know, the actual words and the, and the lyrics that go with it and the combination of those two. But I have given up to Rob that there isn't a universal happy playlist, but organizations are starting to figure out, you know, how do we bring, how, how do you curate for me? So for today, I've got a bunch of devices that are tracking whether I slept last night, did I exercise, et cetera. So let's say I had a late night last night and I didn't exercise quite as much as I should have yesterday. What is Vibe going to curate for me for my playlist for today? Like, is it more chill music? Mm. Is it more pump up music? Mm. And the, the technology is getting pretty close. We're not quite there, but um, that's where it's headed. And so, yeah, you can go back to your favorite playlist from all 80s all the time, because that is the best decade for music. Clearly, um, but but you can also have it surprise you with different different bands that you discover that are in line, and it's not just collaborative filtering of people like you like this. It's actually um, giving you some stuff based on the actual metrics on the data, the biometrics on the data. See that's the that's next level. I never even thought about that as uh, where technology is going because. You know what? It it, uh, it is bothersome. Uh, we see what's going on in social media, which, by the way, is a big contributor to mental health uh, crises as well. But um, when the algorithm serves you what you want, what the algorithm thinks you want based on your previous behaviors, you are missing out on a ton of good stuff. My Apple Music does it all the time. Like, like I want new stuff, but like it keeps on serving me stuff in the genre that it thinks that all, is all I want to listen to. Um, but the biometric side that breaks that a little bit, doesn't it? It's, um, it's making it bespoke in a way. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's right. And I think the discovery and the randomness of discovery 
is super important. And like, I listen to a lot of discover weekly and, and you're right, like on Spotify and sometimes, sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's not. And, um, but I, I draw a lot of mine from my friends and I've gotten, I've rediscovered my country roots lately and getting into Chris Stapleton and a bunch of Kenny Chesney and a bunch of other uh, country guys. And I had kind of drifted off of that from my, my days in Simcoe, Ontario, down in a small town, <laughs> uh, by the way, the town that Rick Danko, if you know that name is from. Uh, yeah. Come on. This is amazing. You live, so, you live in a by the way, just minor <laughs> trivia for you, minor trivia on this. So um, Mumford and Sons did a small stadium tour a few weeks, a few years ago, small stadium, like super small, 4,000 people. And they went to Simcoe, Ontario, which has the population of 15,000 people, right? Why the hell did they go to Simcoe, Ontario? They went to Simcoe, Ontario because the band was one of their major influences and Rick Danko is from Simcoe. There you go. Isn't so there you go. By the way, if you've seen The Last Waltz, which obviously you guys have, check out Once We're Brothers. And I think it's even better than The Last Waltz is telling like the real story of the band as they grew together and Levon Helm coming in and going out and then coming back and then departing. And you get to see the influence that they had on Eric Clapton, on The Boss, on Joni Mitchell. Like it's crazy. And if you ask, 90% of Canadians wouldn't know if you said the band, you guys know the band, they go, who are you talking about? And then you go up on like, you know, up on Cripple Creek and all the all the songs. And then you go, oh, those guys. Or, or, you, or you could say they electrified Dylan. I mean, that's kind of, that's something. Oh, yeah, Dylan, Dylan was one of the huge ones, right? Okay. Huge ones. Like he brought them through and took them on tour with them. Guys, I have a, I have a proposal. We digress. No, we digress. No, 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 no. I have a proposal. I really think so. When we have offshoots, uh, and this is just coming to me right now, so if it's crazy, that's fine. We have offshoots of um, our podcast, like so. What Greg and I will, Greg or I will have a, a guest host. I think you too should do something about music and um, history and Canadian music or something, because there's something here. The way you get you're you're talking to each other in a way that I'm like I'm like. Like, what do I say here? How do I insert anything? I know, I know Brian Adams, uh, you know, like, I don't even know how to add to the conversation, but I think you I really, honestly, seriously, you should please consider it. Okay. Terry could be uh, another, uh, another co-host on the Boiling Point family of podcasts. Terry, what, yeah, what, what Terry, you should have Boiling Point, you should have Boiling Point music. Yeah, exactly. No, but but this is what I'm saying. And Terry, like, like he's got, he's, he should be a podcast host. His energy is awesome. Well, on a, on a similar track as that, um, you know, uh, there's another group of people who are keen to do a podcast I've been speaking with, but um, um, I don't know if you've been exploring in your, you know, as you've been discussing uh, things with KMH and other healing, uh, you know, they call alternative healing uh, approaches, but ones that are not being used traditionally, I, I suppose. Um, but there's a, a huge growing movement right now in psychedelic therapy, guided psychedelic therapy. Uh, in Canada right now, ketamine is is the is the easiest pathway in that um, that is like legal therapy. It's still experimental, but it's really helping people who are going through suicidal um, experiences. And uh, there's a lot of science behind the use of some of these type of molecules. 
And Canada is, is quickly becoming a, um, a leader in this research. And it's very much in line with the research that you're doing, Terry, with the music and, and the, the neuroscience on, uh, you know, behind how do our brain works, our, our brains work and um, how there are certain, like I say, molecules that are just not, you know, they're in the dark ages. They stopped being uh, studied back in the Reagan days to potentially the, the detriment of many, many, many people. And um, I've just been tuning into those conversations too. Uh, and I just think it's really neat. You know, we could have a podcast on, uh, on music and anything else, but really that concept of, of the world of healing, which is so much bigger than our, our establishment uh, serves. I just, I just can't, I'll say came back. I just came back from a, a virtual conference that I normally go to called transformative technologies. And it's about well-being and all of that space and uh, new, new technologies, capabilities, et cetera. So uh, we can go long on that. Tim Ferriss, Sam Harris, uh, Ben Greenfield. Uh, if you haven't come across the field trip guys, they're oh, trying no, to do the ketamine stuff in Toronto. So I'm doing a project with them right now. Yeah, we, so, we're something with them in two weeks. <laughs> very, yeah, so uh, very, very curious on that space. Cause I think as we, as we stop the demonization of it and get into, okay, what's the science and leverage like the maps guys who do major research into this. Um, you know, if you look at most of the top, tech companies in Silicon Valley, their founders will say they, they go to Burning Man, not, not because they want to go get high, but they're learning about creativity. They're learning about things like microdosing and psychedelics are a piece of the puzzle in that. But it's not about what everybody would say, oh yeah, they're just going getting stoned. That's not at all what it's about. Um, it's about figuring out how to take their performance to the next level and creativity and, uh, and all of that. So Anyway, long, that, that's a whole podcast uh, but it's series, very much, it's series unto itself. It yeah. is parallel with what, your, what uh, the Awesome Music Project is all about too, which is finding healing through uh, very intimately human experiences, you know, and uh, I think it's really, it's really exciting what you're doing. And um, how, like, where are we at with it now? Like you say, you're, you're funding certain projects. Uh, where is the so funding did, coming from? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did what uh, what would be called the COVID pivot. So uh, we launched the book, uh, got nice take up. We started a series called Story, Songs, and Science. So Rob, again, is the brilliant one of the two of us. And so he's like, Terry, it's kind of weird. Like we got this whole movement about music and it's just listen, listen carefully. It's very silent. Like the book is silent. So... Uh, he's like, this is crazy. We've got a book and this whole movement about music, but it's quiet because it's a book. So we created a <laughs> concert series called Story, Songs, and Science. And we have somebody from the book telling a story about a song that made them happy and hopeful. Somebody performing that song. And then, um, and then a neuroscientist talking about the scientific effects. So we did a concert in Toronto at the Gladstone. We had the Bare Naked Ladies and the Good Lovelies and... Dave Bedini from the Rio Statics, all of which are connected yeah. into stories in the book. And yeah. then we went down to Kitchener Lou and did a concert. We had Dan Hill and Sarah Sleen and Danny Michelle and Wicked. Um, and we had four concerts already teed up for the first half of the year. Uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto, Stratford, and we're working our way out east. And all of those got postponed, not canceled, but postponed uh, because of COVID. 
in April, we got a call saying from the folks in Bob Cajun just outside Toronto saying, hey, um, you know, we want to do a concert for the folks at Pinecrest because that long-term care facility had mm. half of their people die in COVID. Mm. And we've raised money for PPE equipment, but we want to do a concert for them. Would you guys help? We said, absolutely. But what are you trying to do? So I want to bring joy to the healthcare workers, to the residents. I said, okay, but if you do a concert, it's going to be two hours. And then, you know, they go back inside and Johnny beside them has passed away. Sally's no longer there and they're isolated. So we created a program. The quick answer is we created a program called AMP for Life, which is basically bringing. So in addition to the long-term game of research, we're actually doing the short-term game, which is we are in a mental health pandemic now. We're talking about the respiratory pandemic, but we're in a mental health pandemic as well. And it's getting worse because of the respiratory pandemic. So how do we bring the healing power of music to everybody now? And so we've created a program called AMP for Life where we're digitally enabling music therapists to deliver their services into long-term care homes, hospitals, high schools, universities, indigenous communities, our most vulnerable communities. But we had to digitize, we had to digitize the, the um, music therapist because they've got degrees in music therapy, but they're generally analog people. They come in, they, they play guitar, they sing, they play piano. And now we got to teach them how to do that via Zoom or whatever. And we got to light up the long-term care homes with laptops that work and MiFi, you know, Roger sticks and so on. So anyway, that program I'm so excited about because it's the mm -hmm. short game of let's get music and the healing power of music to people now while we prove out while we prove out the uh the clinical medical efficacy so that's kind of where we're at right now is rolling out amp for life and getting that going and we're looking for sponsors out east so if, if you love to hit a whole bunch of long-term care homes and hospitals and schools and so on we just need some sponsors to help us help us do that and again we're a charitable foundation so we're not about making money at this it's about yeah. bringing the healing power of music to uh to mental health where do where do people learn more and donate and that kind of thing? Like this is perfect time to 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 um, yeah. So our we have two spots. So our our basic website and it's it's a minimum viable product for you tech people in the crowd. It's not fancy, but uh, Rob and I have it, and we're in the process of doing 2.0. But it's www.theawesomemusicproject.com. And you can see what we're up to. You can see videos of Chris Hadfield and Amanda and a bunch of other people. You can donate. You can buy the book. You can do all that kind of stuff. And then if you want to learn more about AMP for Life, it's same thing, W-W-A-M-P, Awesome Music Project, AMP, for the number four, life.ca. And that'll take you in. And you can support um, You can support a particular jurisdiction. Like you, if you're in the Bob Cajun area, you can support the Bob Cajun long-term care. Uh, if there's folks out in your part of the woods that we should add some facilities, if we can raise 20 grand for a facility, that gives them a, a music therapist a day a week for an entire year. So they have the wow. healing power of music for an entire year. But we get that that's a big number. But $50 gets you a music therapy session for somebody. So, you know, anything, anything and everything is, uh, is helpful in this mix. So www.theawesomemusicproject.com and AMP for Life, A-M-P, the number four, life.ca. I love it, Terry. Thank you for everything that you're doing. It's fantastic. And next time we chat, let's talk about the, uh, the power of binaural microphones and uh, that listening experience. 
because I think there's something really cool there for what you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is awesome. So uh, we will continue uh, this conversation. We'll definitely push this out uh, far and wide on the Bowling Point uh, community. And uh, this is great, Dave. I, and I feel like we're going to, you'll have more conversations with Terry. I know. And, and he's doing some, and we didn't even talk about the cool stuff he's doing on the Deloitte side. So if, uh, if you're open to it, Terry, I'd love to have you back. Um, if not in a co-host position as a guest at some point, or maybe both. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, thank Happy you so to. much. Thanks for much for sh- sharing your story. And like, you know, um, when Terry shared the story, it was just me and, and his colleague, uh, Mark Anthony Ashfield on the listening um, and he had the same level of passion, Greg. And like, it's like, this is coming from a really good place. And I really appreciate you sharing your story as well. It's very, um, it's amazing. The power of we're all, we're, we all, we all have daughters in um, all three of us, you know, and, and the, 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 you know, what being the, the role of being a, a parent and how it can really create momentum and, and create good in your life. Right. And what we can learn from our kids. And it's just so neat to see how you've used, you know, it could have been, um, well, it could have been a, it was a life-changing thing in such a positive way. And I just, it's really inspiring. Yeah, I know it's been in a super strange way, given the journey and how traumatic it was, it's been the gift of a lifetime really. Um, and so the wake up call to what's going on, I will tell you, I don't know if you can see the, uh, shirt I have going on here, but it's no music, no life. So love, there you go. I love it. So, Black on black. Yeah. You have a great one, my friend. And uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation. Awesome. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Peace out. Peace. (laughs) Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey, listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>